Welcome to No Ordinary Women, the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, the bad, and the shit crazy. Hi, I'm Lynn. Hi, I'm Rose. Hi, Rose. I'm Lynn. Oh, my God. You're like, oh, my God. How's your week been? It's been okay. Today was a little weird. Yeah. Is it? Well, the full moon thing's gone, right? Is the full moon gone? The full moon thing? The full moon thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the, thing the in week, the sky. We had that full moon this past weekend. Things were a little weird, but <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's been all right. It's good. It's a little it's stressful, good. but nothing too bad. Yeah. How was your week? Oh, just dandy, Rose. Oh, good. I'm Everything's so glad. just so great. I'm so glad for you. I'm so, so happy. So happy. <laughs> but this Nobody weekend. Wants to hear my miserable week. No. No, it's not miserable. This weekend. We are going to see Small, Small Town, Town Murder. Murder. So, yes, we're very excited. Very excited. Yeah, we get to have a little girls trip. Just me and my lover, Lynn. And we're going to go see James and Jimmy and laugh as hard as we possibly can. Yeah. Because they be are freaking, I can't even imagine how funny they are in I person know. I'm very excited about it. They make me laugh so hard. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So, we're going to D.C., Howard University. And we're going also, my story today is also in honor of us. We are going to visit the Holocaust Museum. Yeah, we're going to go do that and then go to a comedy show. Tell me, tell me. Well, it'll lift our spirits. <laughs> I know. I was like, we have to have time to go back to the hotel and put yeah, makeup right. on and stuff. Because we're going to be, it's, I'm really nervous about going. I'm very nervous. I know. It's, it's really it's rough. It's going to be rough, but yeah. I think it's important to go and see. No, I do too. But you know? it's just, it's, I'm, I'm, yeah honestly scared a little bit to go are you yeah i am a little nervous because you should take a gummy before you go no, I'm just kidding. that would probably be but then i might laugh no inappropriately. i don't want to do that <laughs> yeah that, no. would, god, be that would be awful i'd totally walk away and be like I don't oh my god her. no i definitely i can't do that no. because what if i did by accident like for some stupid reason like oh no god you that totally would, be, would. Oh, that me <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like oh, no, stop people would be like beating me up like literally and i would deserve it yeah and you'd no. still be laughing i'd still be laughing i'd be like oh my god he just punched me <laughs> yeah, no, no, I definitely. Uh, I'm going to be 100% on point and focused. All right, <clears throat> we'll see. About I'm that. a little afraid now. <laughs> I'm kind of being loose, loosey goosey with my words. Focused is not typically a word that goes into my no, vocabulary. Not for you. You can take some Adderall right yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, who are you going to tell us about today, Rolls? So, so I have a little bit of a um, cough and a little throat thing going on. Mm. Frog in my throat. Ribbit. Ribbit. <laughs> um, I have a little, I don't think it's a cold. I think it's allergies. Yeah, you better not have a cold in a small fucking room and get me sick. I'll beat your ass. <laughs> no, I hope you do get me sick because we're going to go out of town this weekend. And then <laughs> if I have a cold, again? I'm going to snore my ass oh off my and God. that's going to make you stay up all night. Lynn will get sick again no. for the second time of us going out of I town. I got poisoned last time, thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah, Lynn, I had to have. Lynn was dying when we went to Ohio last year. We went to Obsess Fest, which was really fun last year because it was in a state that accepts all people. And um, <laughs> we went and... I don't know. Ohio's kind of turning, aren't they? Yeah, but it's not as bad. Not as bad as Texas. Um, so we went and I we ate all the same food. We shared everything we ate. The mm-hmm. only thing we really didn't share was our drinks. And I ended up getting violently ill. Like yeah. one of the worst bad. stomach bugs I've ever had. And our toilet 
kept getting clogged. Our toilet was clogged, and I wasn't. <laughs> the hotel I was, was not, awful. I wasn't clogging our toilet. That's no, the thing. no, the yeah. toilet was just really just bad. Kept, yeah, and the shower was backing up. Oh my god, it was horrible. It, it was. was and I was so sick. I was so sick. <sighs> it was, it was absolutely disgusting. And and then to think, oh my god, we have to get in the car and drive five hours. I was so oh no, seven hours. I was so nervous. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. Oh, my God. Okay. So we stopped at McDonald's on the way home. (laughs) But I was fine by the time we left. It was like it was like almost 24 hours exactly that I was sick. But I think I was poisoned. I had fun, though, because I ordered a bunch of um, DoorDash, which I never, ever do. So I got stuff DoorDash to our hotel and I watched a bunch of sh- movies. We watched Forrest Gump. <laughs> what else and did we watch? We, didn't we watch like three movies? We that did day? watch like three movies. <laughs> Which I, I never, I something I never ever. I couldn't do anything. I could, we yeah. had Chinese food, so I got like wonton soup and yeah. ate that, and it like went right through you. Right through me. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah but I it was. Poisoned. I I made um, lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. Because we were supposed to go bike riding that day. That yeah, was we the were. last day we yeah. were in Columbus. We were supposed to go bike riding. And we rented we rented bikes online in advance. And we were going to ride around Columbus all yeah. day. Because it was a beautiful day. And I couldn't leave the room. No. So. But it was still nice. I, I still enjoyed myself. That's how I know that it was... I was poisoned. Because being in close quarters like that, you would have definitely gotten sick too. There's yeah, no- I know. That was really weird. Yeah. Plus, like, remember that drink you had and then you sent it back, like, twice because they didn't know what the fuck they were doing? Yeah. I bet they did something. They probably took a shit in well, it that, or something. Well, that was all—no, he probably put Visine in it. That's, oh. like, the one thing you can do that you can't tell the difference. Oh, really? Yeah. That's how that woman killed her husband. Yeah. That's why I was so fucking sick. That's crazy. Maybe yeah, we... that bartender was a dick. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if he died when we were up there? And I, I have to drive head, myself back. Dr- oh my god! Not that I was dead, but that you would have to drive five and six hours or whatever, seven hours. That was, that was like, ugh, that was awful. It was awful. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, anyway, we're not going to obsess fest this year because we How feel like we might that? be jinx. So yeah, we're going to see Jimmy and James instead. Yeah, boop, it's going to be so much fun. I'm very it excited. Is, it is. I'm right, sure they'll anyway. ask us to get on stage. Everybody always does. I but know. It's their show. We're going to let them. We're, we're going to decline. Lynn's going to get naked again. Gracefully. Again. Shh. Don't tell anybody. So who are you talking about today, Beach? So in honor of us going to the Holocaust Museum, I'm talking about Marion Pritchard. Okay. So in the summer of 1942, the Germans began relocating thousands of Jewish men, women, and children from their homes in the Netherlands, to camps in Poland. At the time, there was no organized rescue effort in existence. Marion Pritchard, who was a social worker, psychoanalyst, teacher, and teacher, became one of the earliest individuals to step forward and actively assist those facing deportation. Born in 1920, Marion Philippina Van Binsbergen. Wow, that's a name. <laughs> that's quite a name, isn't it? That is a badass name. Grew up in a comfortable middle-class family in Amsterdam. Her father was a liberal and progressive judge who instilled in her a strong sense of moral value. So Marion wanted to be a social worker and chose to attend the school for social work. During her first year there from 1940 to 1941, she became associated with a group of students engaged in secret activities. Ooh. And Marion and several of her friends and fellow students were arrested for the distribution of news bulletins based on illegal BBC radio transmissions. Wow. Yeah, so they were doing some top secret shit. Good for them. Which is crazy because they were like just students, you know? Yeah. 
For this, she was thrown into the Amsterdam prison for seven months. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So every day on after she got out of jail, she went she went back to the um, School of Social Work. And one day while riding her bicycle to class, she witnessed an event that would change her life. Every day on the way to school, she passed an orphanage. And one day in 1942, she was frozen by the sight of a razia, which is like a raid. Oh, okay. I don't know that that's how you say it. It's R-A-Z-Z-I-A. Razia. Razia. No, that's Italian. <laughs> I can make anything Italian. <laughs> I know. Every word you're like, oh, it's razia. Mozzarella. Mozzarella, pepperoni. A pizza pie. So the Germans were taking the children out to a truck, and they, the children kind of weren't moving very fast because they were terrified. They were crying and upset, and the Germans were just picking them up by their arms or legs and their hair and just throwing oh them into God. the back of the truck. No, ma'am. And I think I had talked about that um, during the Tova Friedman episode where she witnessed um, a German soldier pick up a two-year-old, and the mom was trying to grab trying to pull the two-year-old and they oh no god i, I don't remember you saying that you don't remember that no, you probably blocked Rose. it out <sighs> trauma blocking <Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> sorry god, everyone sleeping pills now maybe tonight. i'll cut that out god damn it <laughs> so um marion's like on her riding her bike and she stops and she's just staring like oh my god what the fuck is happening mm. she said she couldn't even move Two women come running down the street from the other end and tried to stop them, and they just threw the women into the truck with the kids. Oh and God. she said she was, like, overwhelmed with rage. She had never felt mm. that much rage in her life. So from then on, she started to participate actively in the resistance, often working by herself or cooperating with a network that in- located hiding places for Jewish children. She would pretend to work as a courier, visit children at their hiding addresses and transport them to a new address by train or simply on the back of her bicycle and supply them with fake identity papers, ration cards, and medical aid. This is like the Underground Railroad, kind of. It was. That's exactly what they called it. Yeah, that's... The Jewish Underground Ra- Railroad. insane. God, I just... Ugh, people like this just make me... I know, because she didn't have just, to. She could have sat back and been like, not my problem. Not my pro- yeah, yeah, no, but that, that's what I'm saying. She, like... Dug in and was like, not on my watch, bitches. And she did it. So So she also brought food, clothes, and papers to people in need. And on top of all that, she took on special missions. Of her many missions. Exactly. That's what she said. She sang that song. She sang it? Yeah. Can you play it for us? I can't. I know that's copyrighted. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So a few of her missions stood out. All right, so one day, some family and friends asked if she could place, find a place for their friend, Freddie Polak, and his children, who were four, two, and a newborn. Aww. Can you imagine? She couldn't find any place that would take a man and three children because most places were small and could h- hide, like, one kid. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to be able to really hide them, too. You can't. Yeah, yeah. right, because, I mean, because of the raids. Yeah. So her friend arranged for her to live in the servants' quarter of his mother-in-law's house. It was a nice house on a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere near the village of Houston. H-U-I-Z. Are you asking me or are you telling Houston. me? Houston. 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 <laughs> That's the Italian-German over there. Yeah, just like in the Alps. <laughs> 
From the fall of 1942 to the fall of 1943, she would go to the house as often as possible on weekends. But she was still a student at the time, so she couldn't like live there. Mm-hmm. But when she finished school in November of 43, she moved in and took took over. They were living there that long in hiding. That's crazy. I know. And as you can imagine, she was super busy taking care of three children and also regularly finding them food, which was difficult because food had become scarce. They, there was a hiding place under the floorboards for the family in case of raids. It was large enough for a desk. And Freddie, the father, who was writing his doctoral dissertation, worked on it there. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, oh, my God. He was in the floor, literally. Literally in the, in the floor. floor working on his doctoral dissertation. Oh, my God. I guess. Yeah. And then they'd be like, raid, and they'd take the kids down there and go hide. Oh, my God. And you can't make any noise. How do you fucking concentrate? I don't know. I like, guess... I have trouble concentrating writing my story about people I don't even know. Yeah, how many distractions you have, though, in the under the floor? None. Yeah, none. That's what I mean. Like, how the hell? No, I can't even imagine. So on some nights after curfew, the Nazis would sweep the homes in the countryside outside of Amsterdam, searching for Jews in hiding. This house, as far as the Nazis knew, was solely occupied by Marion van Binsbergen, a 22-year-old student of social work. A Dutch police officer and a known Nazi collaborator suspected otherwise. Uh-oh. The Germans came to the house in some sort of motorized vehicle. Marion heard them coming and was like, quick, quick, everybody get into your hiding spot. But they didn't have enough time (sighs) to give baby Erica her meds, her sleeping powder. Oh, Jesus. They would give her sleeping powder so she'd go to sleep right away and (sighs) be quiet because she was just a baby. Yeah. So they practice this like every day and they could get it all done in 30 seconds like they could get everybody give her sleeping powder get her into the basement or the floor (laughs) which is weird so they get into the under into the floorboards and there's a knock at the door marion opened the the door and there are three nazis and a dutch police officer at the door they searched the house looking for clues but marion was very clever she did things to disguise um, that the Pollocks were there. Mm -hmm. So she would, like, share her bed with the children so that her bed was the only one unmade, so that the other beds were always made so it wasn't suspicious in case, you know, the kids were sleeping and they had to go and grab them and put them under under the floor. So the Nazis found nothing, and they are like, hmm, I don't know, we're leaving. Like, we're still suspicious, you know? Yeah. But baby Erica stayed quiet the whole time, like oh even without God. her sleeping powder. I'm so stressed right now. I know. I'm like half sweating. <laughs> so the officers left and the family emerged from hiding once the sound of the engine receded into the distance. The three Nazis drove into the night, but they were down one passenger. Oh, shit. The Dutch police officer waited in the darkness near the house, a patient predator unwilling to give up on his prey. Fucker. Each Jew he turned in to the Nazis earned him $5. So he was like... Somebody's life is worth $5. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So the Nazis would often come back to houses after about an hour to catch people unaware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Marion and the Pollocks knew, but Erica had started to cry. And so she was like, we need to put them to bed because mm-hmm. they were tired. Freddie was still downstairs working on his dissertation, so he decided to stay in the hideout. And after about an hour... after. 
about a half an hour, the Dutch officer bursted into their house through the back door, which they had accidentally left unlocked. Mm. And he discovered Marion and the three Jewish children. The entrance to the hiding place was open. So in that split second, Marion thought, if I don't do something, he's going to find the kids. you got to kill him now. Yeah. And so at the time, she was standing between the stove and her head of the bed, which I was like, how small is this? I mean, it must have been a tiny house. Well, that or the, there was a stove in each room. Oh, for heat. For heat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't think about that. Um, they didn't have HVAC back then, Rose. What? They didn't have HVAC. Mm. Must be because they're poor. No central air or heat. <laughs> so there was a bookshelf above the bed and a gun that her friend had given her. And without even That's thinking great. about it, she just, like, turned, grabbed the gun and shot him. That's what Killed you got to do. Yep. Like, the thought, like, she had never even shot a gun before. And she just shot him once and killed him. Yeah, well, this, this is what you do with somebody who thinks that other human lives are worth $5. Yeah. Okay, so Carl Poons, I think his name is Carl. It's K-A-R-E-L. Carol? It's not Carol because he's a man. But Carol's a man's name. No, is it? Yeah. Carol O'Connor. Archie Bunker. But the the um, guy pronouncing it kind of said like Carl. Carl? Carl. Like Steve Carl. But I'm going to call him Carl. Carl. <laughs> So Carl Poons, who was her friend and a Jewish ballet dancer, was hiding at the neighboring house, and he heard the shot and came over. Oh, geez. So he walks all the way to the village, which was very dangerous because he was Jewish and he was gay. Oh, my God. He was a gay Jewish man, gay Jewish ballet dancer. So he walks all the way to the village after curfew. To talk to the baker who had a wooden cart and horse to deliver his bread. Mm-hmm. And then they, the two of them went to the local undertaker who agreed to put the body of the Dutch soldier into, or the Dutch police officer, into the coffin of another body that was being buried the next day. Yes. And so they went to the house, got the body, oh took God, it to I the undertaker. This. He took it, put it in the coffin. Buried it the next day. And she's like, I don't know if the family ever knew about it and they were okay with it or they just never, like, they never knew about it or what. What, what family? The family that, the, the, of the person in the coffin. Because oh. he had a funeral the next day with the extra body in there. Yeah, well, that family would. How would they know? Wait, I'm really confused. Well, so he's, he, she was saying, like, I don't know if the undertaker asked the family, like, is it okay if we put this extra body in with your loved one who died? Well, how would they know? Because they had a funeral. They might have, like, opened the casket That's or something. Only, they didn't really do that at the funeral. Don't they just do that? Well, I don't know. Who knows back then or at that culture. Well, I don't know if they had, like, some kind of service. I don't know what they had. Yeah. But he... Well, what about his family? Excuse me. I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> what about his family? What about the schmucks family? I mean, they don't know where he disappeared to. I know, but I'm like... But although you would think that the... The, yeah, the Nazis guys, who yeah, left. Yeah, the Nazis. Yeah, but the Nazis who left probably were like, Pro- yeah, they uh, probably he'll find didn't his even own notice. way home. Yeah, yeah they probably, probably didn't like, notice him. He'll find his own way home. We don't care about him. Yeah, but no. But I'm thinking more about like if he had a family. But thing. she didn't. She she always said in interviews that she's like, I don't know if it was like a big family funeral, and she's like, I don't know if the family actually knew that he that there was an extra body in there. Like they had asked, like it was a Jewish family, and they asked, mm-hmm. and they're like, yes, of course, or if they just put the body in there. My thought was, wouldn't you wait until he's about to be buried and then put the body in? 
They, I but mean, I don't know what the service was like back then. Like, yeah, but they might have. They might have taken his body out for the service and then thrown it back in right before they yeah, put it on the right, ground. Maybe. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that. But um, I was like, that's I think really was smart. A, but I well, guess the, the service wasn't for a Jewish family, was it? She didn't know. It couldn't have been because. No, well, I mean, I guess it could have been, but what I'm wondering is, I don't know. I was thinking I wouldn't want this Nazi cop buried with my right, loved one. Yeah, that's right? true. But, but but back then, I mean, you're doing whatever you have to do to get by and knowing that yeah. they had to kill this guy to save them, all these children yeah. might. Alas, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd be like, of course, like, I don't want anybody yeah, to get guess, in trouble. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, they're dead. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's true. So, um, the, la- the another mission that had had an impact on her was in July of 1944. Carl and Marion were asked to rescue a two-year-old girl who was held under guard at a physician's house in another village. The Gestapo were holding the girl at ransom while they interrogated her parents, hoping that if they thought she was in danger, that they would tell them what they wanted to know. So, like, mm-hmm. oh, we have your daughter and, mm-hmm. you know. So Marion was going to do the mission alone, but Carl insisted on going with her. And she was worried because if she got caught, she'd get in trouble, probably thrown in jail. But if he got caught, he'd probably be killed Mm -hmm. because he was a gay Jewish man, you know. But he insisted on going with her. So so they go to this house and Carl goes up to the guard at the front door and starts chatting him up while Marion sneaks in the back. Which I was like, okay, so... This this Jewish guy just goes up to the guard and he starts talking. Like, I don't I don't know how things were working at the time. Yeah, right. Like, I guess I didn't think, like, the Jews were able to just, like, hang out and go up to guards. But, I mean, how do you tell if someone is Jewish? Well. I mean, how do they even yeah, know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they could and then, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I have I have no idea. So, anyway, he goes up to the guard and he's, like, chatting the guard up. And Marion's. If you're a good podcaster, you would have looked all this up and told us. Well, what am I supposed to look up? How did they know who was how Jewish? How did they know? How did they know? How did they know? They'll never know. Will they know? <laughs> like, but even if they They'll did know, know, maybe they it was how just okay know? for him to go up and talk to them. I don't fucking know. I know. At certain times, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe between like two and four or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk to the guards between two and four. Yeah. So she goes upstairs in the house and the... The two-year-old's there with the doctor's wife and their children. And the doctor's wife tries to stop her from taking him, but Marion shoves her and picks up the little girl and runs out of the house. Oh, my gosh. She puts the girl on the back of her bike and pedals off. And Carl is like, well, he sees her, like, you know, pedaling off. And he's like, well, it was nice chatting with you. You got to (laughs) go. And they got away with her. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Can you imagine how freaking, like, I, I can't I can't imagine like the adrenaline that has to be rushing through your oh body. Oh my god, I can't. Because that's like life or death. Yeah. You know? Because if they catch you, you're gonna die. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, you know, the Underground Railroad, same kind of thing. It's right. like, you know, they they I mean, every time that they came so close to being caught, it's just it's like incre- it's like, like crazy. you couldn't even breathe. Yeah. You know? <sighs> so on another occasion, uh one of Marion's childhood friends called her and asked if she would deliver a package to the north of Holland the next day. So the friend was supposed to do it, but she was running a fever, so she couldn't. So Marion said yes, and her friend asked her to pick up the package at the child care center that was used as a temporary holding pen um, for Jewish families who were arrested in Amsterdam and, and being deported. 
So Marion gets to the center, and someone comes out with a newborn baby girl and oh gives her God. to Marion. So she takes the baby to the train station and takes a train north, which takes all day. She had one bottle for the baby oh, no. and no food for herself. So it took forever to get anywhere because the Germans had all kinds of blockades, and they had <sighs> taken a lot of the equipment. So things just weren't running the way they should. Mm-hmm. So Marion was extremely frustrated, and she just wanted it to be over. To me, it sounds like she was a little hangry. Yeah. <laughs> the way she describes her. this. Absolutely. Like, she's how, starving. She's sure the baby's probably crying because it's starving. Yeah. She said she was cold and hungry and really just wanted to get rid of the baby. <laughs> I, I swear to God, she was, like, hangry. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's how I feel when I'm, like... When I'm hangry, I just like I, I just I just hate everyone. I want everyone oh, yeah. to go away. Oh my god, yeah. So she finally gets to her destination where she was supposed to meet a man and give him the baby, and she's like, "Thank God." So she gets there, and there's a man there, but he tells her that the people that were supposed to meet her there weren't there anymore. I think they had been arrested or something, and so they weren't there to meet her. And she's oh, like, my god. He's like, so I guess you better get back on the train and go back to Amsterdam with the baby. And she's like, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, the baby's like had one bottle all day. Oh, my God. So the baby's like super fussy. She's exhausted. because And starving. And starving. And she hasn't taken care of a baby. So she's like, uh, you know. Oh, my God. If you're not used to that, that's fucking exhausting. And yeah. Yeah. So she really just wanted to drop the baby and leave and be on her way. Yeah. So I think the man felt bad or scared. (laughs) She probably was like, look like she's going to kill him. Yeah. So he's like, you can come to my house and rest for a little while. And maybe my wife can find milk for the baby. And then you guys can be on your way. So he takes her to his house and it's nice and warm. And Marion sits down in a chair and she immediately falls asleep. She's that exhausted. When she wakes up, the man's wife is changing and feeding the baby and telling her own children that Marion was a sinner that she had had this baby out of wedlock, and her punishment was that she would never be allowed to see the baby again. So the man tells Marion, it's time to go. Let, let's go back to the train. You're, you're not going to get to see your baby again. And when they get out, he's like, sorry that my wife had to say those terrible things, but we need the children to believe that story so that when people oh, are asking, yeah, asking the children that, yeah. in the village yeah, yeah. or yeah. asking the children what's going on, that's an acceptable like, answer. <laughs> that's an acceptable answer yeah. back then. You know, yeah. I'm an unwed mother, yeah. and... Yeah, the kids would be like, yeah, that fucking hoe. Yeah. So she was like, yeah, not a problem as long as you take a fucking baby out of my life. (laughs) Give me a fucking biscuit or something. (laughs) So it was very common to take these young children from their child care centers and take them into hiding because that's what they were trying to like steal the children and take them. And it was always with consent of the parents who were waiting to be deported. So they would be like, can you, can you go to whatever child care center and get my three-year-old, she looks like this, and save her, you know? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. And I'm sure they had, like, a point person in the... In the daycare the or whatever. orphanage or yeah. whatever. So if they were lucky, they would be reunited with their children at some point. It is estimated that between 700 and 1,000 children's lives were saved during these missions. Wow. And just women like her who just were, like... I'm going to help and just <sighs> pretended that these babies were theirs, you know? I can't even imagine. And the poor kids, though. Like, that baby, the tra- you know, the trauma that baby endured for not eating for a whole day, basically. Right. And then, 
going from its parents to an orphanage or whatever and then to a you know, this traumatic day and then to another family and then hopefully eventually back to its own parents. But how would the parents find it after all that? That's, yeah, like I was wondering the same thing when I was writing this because like, right, how do you ever find, I mean, your baby, you don't know what your baby looks like. Right. If she kept records, right, like, okay, I'm picking up baby A and bringing it to family C, Yeah. right, like if she kept records or whatever, um, then there's that. But I feel like it'd be really dangerous to keep records. Right. And I don't think they'd be able to, like... And but it's even for this baby, that's not how it works. So I think a lot from reading the the Tova Friedman story, I think a lot of it was like word of mouth. Like I heard that, you know, through the Underground Railroad that that so and so has has, you know, your baby or maybe so maybe so. So somebody asked Tova to do this. Her friend asked her to get the baby. Mm-hmm. So maybe the, you said the Tova. I'm sorry, Marion. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? She had babies? <laughs> so Marion's friend asked her to get this baby, right? Uh-huh. So it says it's always with consent of the parents. So mm-hmm. somehow somebody knew the parents of right. this baby. Right. And so I assume that when Marion got back to Amsterdam, she told her friend, hey, this is where I dropped the baby off. And the friend maybe relayed the information. Yeah, maybe. I bet that's how it worked. Yeah. Because I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, okay, they freed all these children, but then where are these children going? But I knew a lot of them would be reunited. But I, but like, still though, I mean, as great as it is, the kids are reunited with their parents. It had to be traumatic as fuck. Oh yeah, I mean, it's super traumatic. Yeah, it's like yanking them away from the only family they've ever known. Well, and and then uh, like, you know, in in the Tova case, you know, you heard about how, like, her mom just completely like fucking shut down after. They got to the United States and and she knew her family was safe. Yeah, and she completely like shut down. Went got, into like a got sick. Yeah. yeah, and and was just unable to operate anymore because she was strong for so long. So, I mean, I'm sure these families were completely I'm right fucked. I'm pretty close to that. I mean, I'm yeah. not, I didn't go through what they went through. Let's yeah, that's right. But, I'm pretty but close. you are kind of in a vegetative state. Yeah, I already am one. one. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean it. It is it is crazy, and they they ru- they ruin. I, I hate to compare it to this, but I think about that with school shootings too, or mass shootings. About okay, we always talk about like oh okay, only three people died in this shooting, but think only. about when think about the trauma that like especially in like a school shooting where there are children, like even anything any school shooting. Elementary, all the way pre- oh, preschool, right. yeah, all the way true. through college. Right. Oops, you know, it's like the trauma of seeing somebody shot, your teacher. Well, whatever. it's not even that. Like I always think, okay, like the trauma of, okay, you're in the, in the class where the shooter was and you survive. So then you have like, what is that it called? Guilt, that the survivors guilt. survivors guilt. But then, what if you're in the class next to it and hear it? That trauma. <sighs> what if you're just at the school? That there's trauma there. There's a lot of trauma there too because holy shit, they were in my school. Like, how do you? Ever what if you're in the community? Again? Yeah, no, you, we know from the UVA shooting yeah. that it still affects you. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So it's it's so much more than oh well, it was only three people that got only three people it's that got crazy. shot. Well, it's you know I. It's so much worse than that today because there was an abduction attempt down at, um, in our town today, and um, or was it last night or this morning? It was this morning, right? It was last night at like nine. Oh, okay. 40 or something. So the person was still at large. So then I go to walk my dog. I live like a mile from UVA. 
I go to walk my dog and I'm like, hmm. So I put the mace back on my dog's leash because <laughs> I had it on la- when the last time I used yeah. it was when the they had the shooting at UVA before we knew anything about it. Yeah. Before we knew, realized it was like an isolated incident. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fucking scary. It's really it scary. But the thing about like the mace, like you should keep that on because... The time it's going to happen isn't going to be when you have warning. No, I know. I know. <laughs> but I, I mean, I get I get the, the idea behind that. But yeah, I mean, you don't think about it until it happens and then you're like hyper aware, you know? Yeah. I mean, I should. I should just keep it on the leash. Yeah. But I mean, Penelope could rip a leg right off. I mean, she's she's pretty huge. All seven pounds of her is <laughs> she's pretty ferocious. <laughs> she might be closer to eight pounds now, but. I did give her extra food when I had her. She, you did not. Just a little bit. She was hungry. She only eats once a day and, like, so a little bit. Uh, and then she, like, scrumptious, like, eats it so fast. I was like, okay, you must be starving. So I <gasps> give her a little bit extra. Oh <laughs> she, the mailman, gives her a treat. And we were outside today before I came here. I was walking around around yeah. the yard. And I don't have a leash on her. And I saw her be like, her, her. And I'm like, what are you looking at? And I'm looking across the street. And the dog across the street's in there. And I was like. What are you doing? And she's like, Rrr. and then she starts taking off. And I'm like looking in the street and across. I'm like, what is she doing? And then I fucking see the mailman coming. Oh, really? <laughs> she loves the mailman because he gives her treats. That's so funny. He's probably going to so break into your house. She runs two houses down to him. Oh, my God. And I'm chasing her. <laughs> and she just gets right un- under him. And she's like, <laughs> like barking at him. And I'm like, she's bullying you. Don't don't give her a treat. She's bull- She's totally bullying him. <laughs> and then she follows. So he finally she's gives her one. And I'm like, oh. At least make her sit. Yeah. So he gave her one. And then she followed him to the next house. <laughs> and he's on the front porch of my next door neighbor's house. And she's barking at him again. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God. You are such a little bitch. <laughs> she was bullying the mailman. He gave her. He's like, can I give her another one? I'm like, oh, I guess. But make her sit at least. Do something <laughs> for so it. That's funny. Oh, my God. She's such I could not believe. So I had Lynn's dog, Penelope, who's seven pounds, maybe almost eight. And my sister's dog, Dan, who's a golden doodle and like 60 pounds, pounds, 70 pounds. pounds. (laughs) So I'd give Dan his food and I'd have to like put it because Penelope is a little um, food aggressive. Yeah, she definitely doesn't anybody fucking with her food. Dan's food down or put it outside or something and Dan would take for fucking ever to eat it. He'd be like, eh, eat two bites and then... I'll eat it later. Oh, my God. <laughs> Penelope's like, yeah. Penelope, you give Penelope her little scoop of food. She's, like, dying for it first thing in the morning. <laughs> you give her a little scoop, and she eats it in, like, two seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, you have to be starving. So she, I just give her a little bit more. She eats a quarter of a cup a day. I know. It's so, so when little. I got her, she was 10 pounds, and the vet's like, she's way overweight. And I was like, what? And I look back at the pictures of her. She was chunky. She was chunky. But I didn't, I mean, I never had a small dog before. Yeah. So I was like, she's overweight? And he was like, yeah. So I, he's like, no more than a quarter of a cup a day. And I was like, oh, my God. Everyone's like, you sure that's all you feed her when they watch her? I'm like, yes. So I'm not going to give her an eighth of a cup twice a day. That's just stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be like, like nothing. one bite, right? So, um, but I I give her a lot of carrots during the day. So I think. I know, she, but I was thinking, like, there's not any calories in carrots. And so she might be like, oh, I need some calories. But <laughs> but he said she's the perfect weight. And she, she was running maintained. from Lily a lot. So <laughs> she needed the extra. <laughs> She needed the extra calories. <laughs> she, she'd, um, but yeah, so she's maintained her weight. She has gone up in the last year, almost a pound. Same, probably from staying with you, like twenty. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she's at a good weight, and you know, if she gains weight, then it's really bad for all of her joints yeah, and all I that know. stuff. So I figured a week wouldn't be bad. 
No. A little I, extra food here oh and there. <laughs> Here's a piece of bacon, Penelope. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I didn't feed her bacon. I worry so much about feeding her people food because I feel like it would really upset her little yeah. teeny stomach. I didn't feed her people food. Yeah, because I just I mean, gave her. I feel like it wouldn't take much for her to end up with the shits, you know? And I'm like, like I would give her her little scoop and then I'd put like a little bit more. <laughs> I wonder why she keeps trying to bite me when I'm sitting there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No wonder she gets excited when she comes to my house. She's uh, like, no, oh, my God, I get to eat. Probably. Probably. She was so good the other day when I was there. So so by the end of the war, Marion said that she had killed, stolen, lied, and broke every one of the Ten Commandments, except maybe the first one. It's just like my husband. Which is, you know what the first commandment is? Thou shall not. Thou shall, like, obey, love and obey God or something. Oh, is that the first one? Yeah. I had to look it up because I was like, why didn't she break the first one? I think I had that tattooed on me somewhere. <laughs> I think I saw it on your ass last night. It was, yeah, well, she did see it on my ass. <laughs> you want more margarita? Why not? You're living on the on. edge. We need to wash this tablecloth. I just washed it. Is your side dirty again? My side's immaculate, not... Immaculate That's knot. had a thing over it for weeks. Immaculate knot. Where'd your right thing here. go? Oh. It's right here. I've been very careful. She said, I didn't think about it. I just did it. Jews were at least as active in rescue operations as Gentiles, not solely to save themselves, but also to aid others. Some were at least as vulnerable as the people they sought to save. Hmm. Which is amazing. Like, they were all risking their own lives to to save others, even though they knew that they would... You likely get killed. Right. I mean, if they got caught, they would for sure get killed. Yeah. It's crazy. So Marion went on to work for the UN in displaced persons camps in Mm. Germany. There she looked after the needs of survivors of the war, most of them Jewish, and assisted those who would be settling in the United States. That is when she met her husband, Anton Tony Pritchard, who was the captain of the U.S. Army. Anton Tony. Anton Tony. Anton Tony. Well, his name was Anton, but they called him Tony. Oh, Rose. Thought it was Sorry. an Italian name. Tony in italics. In italics. <laughs> <laughs> I said that last week. I heard it on the on the recording, and you were like, "No, not italics." <laughs> you did that once before too. You said italics, and I'm like, "You mean air quotes?" No, because remember that episode where you were like. I was like, I couldn't think of air quotes. And you were like, I, I don't know, italics? No, that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's a damn good thing we're not smarter because we'd be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, Sorry. Captain Pritchard had been part of the force that liberated. I'm going to fuck this up. Buchenwald, B-U-C-H-E-N-W-A-L-D. How do you say that in German? Buchenwald. <laughs> that was good. He didn't have an Italian Buchenwald. accent. Buchenwald. I was just in Germany. Oh, that's true. But why are you still saying everything with an Italian accent then? Because that's Italian. <laughs> just in your blood. Pepperoni, mozzarella, a pizza pie. <laughs> So they got married in April of 1947 and decided that after working for the UNRR for two years, it was time to move on. And so they moved to North Providence, Rhode Island. Ah, beautiful. Aren't you going to Rhode Island? Rhode Island? Rhode Island. I am going to Rhode Island. (laughs) Soon. When? Soon. When? Tell us the exact dates and where you will be. Uh, Let me see. My house will be empty from... (laughs) 
But I got motherfucking cameras now, bitches. Yes, I do. That's not going to stop anyone. Yeah, because I ain't messing around. People trying to steal my neighbor's stuff. What'd they steal, then? I'm not saying. <laughs> my neighbors had something stolen from them. And then they, the person came back later that night to steal the other one. They had two things. And then they got scared off. Apparently, and then they came back in the middle of the day two That's days so ago, ballsy. like three thirty in the afternoon. That's ballsy to steal the other one. Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, Amazon, can I get some outside cameras, please?" <laughs> <laughs> hey Alexa, you need to get a, some outside cameras. You need to, we need to get sponsored by Simply Safe so yes, that you can, you can. I looked into it, and it's like thirty dollars a month, which really is not expensive for like a basic plan. Is it that much? I think it was. I looked into. I I didn't go in depth into it, but I did look into yeah. it briefly. But I just student loans are starting right now. My yeah. first payments due like next week. I can't afford an extra yeah. thirty dollars right now. Um. So I just well, I we mean, have um, security through Xfinity, Comcast Xfinity. Uh huh. We pay like forty dollars a month, and they come out and install everything. Uh huh. But I feel really good about it, like really safe when. I'm home alone because so our neighbors like a couple years like maybe two years ago were on vacation and someone went into their like back door smashed out the window and stole like a whole bunch of shit from their house how they did this these people live on like the corner house where like tons of people drive by I don't know how they got away with that um the guy that lives there is a little crazy he tracked the people down found out where like by looking at different cameras like the police couldn't figure it out so he it took him like probably six months and he tracked down cameras talked to everyone did all oh, this he, research. cameras in the neighborhood yeah oh. did all this research and found out that the guy and then went into like this apartment complex that's like like our house there's like a um, path to this apartment complex that i think it must not be that great yeah yeah it's a little a little yeah. dicey it's a, it was a really nice place at one no time, there but... is a nice there's two back there oh okay. there's one that's gated that like it's backs... the gated one really yeah because so, there's one that's gated i thought that one was nicer so they they live there and so he somehow got into the gate went to each apartment and looked in and found his um they had some like outdoor furniture or something and that they had on their porch, like out on their balcony. Found that, called the cops, let them know where it was. Oh my God. They, um, he was like, not on my watch. They bitches. were <laughs> able to look at the key cards of people who had come in the gate uh-huh. and see that those, those kids. So, what it was, it was these foster kids who had aged out of the system somehow got this apartment, like they were, pay- this apartment was paid for them. So they were living in this apartment and going into neighborhoods and stealing stuff because to furnish their home. Yeah, I mean it's a horrible story, it but it's still not okay for them to do that. No, it's not. But, but it's yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a horrible situation. But anyway, so the cops were able to look at their key cards for and look at the camera footage and mm-hmm. and line them up and see them carrying all this shit. They stole like guns from this guy's house. Oh my god! Like all this shit. So he got a, ten thousand dollars worth of stuff they stole. So they got a bunch of shit back. But this guy decided that he would put up all these spotlights on his house. Uh-huh. So his house is lit up like <laughs> we have an elementary school near our house that's lit up like that. His house is fucking lit up. <laughs> and so he this guy kind of is this family is a little 
obnoxious. But so they posted in um, our Facebook page, like our neighborhood Facebook mm-hmm. page. On one of their cameras shows somebody like trying to break into their car because people do that all the fucking time here now. And um, so he posts this. He's like, yeah, I I um, encourage everyone to get to get cameras and spotlights for their house and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it really prevents people, you know, from breaking in and blah, blah, blah. And somebody comments. Oh, no. He's like, does it, though? <laughs> Because you have all those spotlights on your house and somebody still tried to break into your car. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, wouldn't it be better if you had like um, like the kind of lights we have where you walk up and then it turns yeah. on? Motion that detector. Scares, motion yeah. detector, yeah. So that scares people more than a spotlight does because if the spotlight's always on, then you're not really... Yeah, because you, you don't know detector. if somebody turned it on right. or not. Yeah, you don't know if somebody yeah. turned it on or if it just turned on. Right. Yeah. So, But I was, it was funny. But yeah, I felt bad for the... After that, we got a security system because I was like, oh, and then somebody had another, like, I swear to God, I live in a nice neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like like a horrible place. But um, soon after that, a woman was home. Her husband was gone, um, like, out late. And it was, like, 11 o'clock at night. And she's, like, laying on the couch. And she hears somebody, like, rattling the back door, like, trying to open it. Uh-huh. And she thought it was her husband. And she's like, that's weird. Like, why is he coming in the back door? And so she got up and turned on the light, and and they had been, like, there for, like, a couple minutes trying uh-huh. to rattle. And she saw three men men standing there trying to get into her house. And they got scared off and ran. But I was, like, after that one, I was, like, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I it's... would, like, have to move if somebody did that to me. That's – so when we were younger, our house got broken into a couple times. And it's, it's a very so – It's a really scary feeling. It's a very, very, very scary feeling. And you never feel – really safe again but for my neighborhood so what happened was two weeks ago somebody came through and tossed all the cars on the street and it's happened it happens a lot on our street um but i always lock my door and of my car and for some reason that night well i know why i didn't i went grocery shopping came home it was pouring rain and i was rushing to get in the house and forgot to lock the doors and i wonder if they know that I don't know, but there was like (laughs) three cars hit on our street and all three of the people on my street were like, because we have a listserv, like a group email. Yeah. And they were all like, I always lock my car and I didn't. And so, yeah, so I, so my car got broken into, I was like, that's it. I've got to, I want to get a camera. And I kind of like drug my feet. I knew I needed to, whatever. And then that should happen next door. And I was like, oh no. Uh -uh." Uh -uh. So. It feels so much worse when they're like on your property. Yeah. So they came, the one, two of them, they had like hoodies on and they were like wearing all black. And they, nobody could see their faces because they had their hoodies on. But one of them had a freaking ski mask yeah. on. And that freaked me out. Because, yeah. like, why are you wearing – I mean, the only reason why you wear a ski mask is, I, well, somebody can't identify your face. But I guess you would wear one because so many people have ring doorbells and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure that's why they but were like, wearing But, like, I walked down my street and, like, nobody has a ring doorbell. And then I just found out that the woman across the street has one. Oh, and that okay. doesn't surprise yeah. me because she lives alone. But her door – like, if you look at her house straight on, her yeah. door – um, isn't like it's she, her porch is straight on, but the door is like to the side. Oh yeah, kind of. So I can't, I couldn't see her doorbell. Oh, but nice. I was like, yeah. So I'm, you know, I live alone, and so I really like to sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, I ordered all new locks for my windows, and I got those today too. So yeah, fuck that. 
because I'm all... like so paranoid when I'm home. Like I always lock the door. Well, I never. I mean, growing when the kids were little and we lived, we never locked any of that doors. Well, in you the house. Had, you were in Forest Lakes. No, but we were in when we were in um, out Point. in Stony Point. Yeah. We never locked the house. We never locked the cars. Yeah. nothing like that ever. And then when we moved to Forest Lakes, I didn't lock anything either. Our, I mean, the front door was locked. But back then there wasn't like people didn't. Yeah. Like ever since the pandemic, I feel like people break into houses well, all the time. You know why? Because the, the cost now. of living is so ridiculous yeah, right. here. Nobody can afford it. I mean, it, it is sad. It The reason for it is sad. But at the same time, it's like it's still not OK. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's because the, I firmly believe it's because the cost of living is so bad here that people can't. I mean, I, I agree with you. So, yeah. Yeah. So if you liked all that nonsense. Well, anyway, so I have not even finished with my story yet. Oh, my God, <laughs> I'm almost done. So Tony worked as a healthcare consultant and Marion as a psychoanalyst, and they owned a large farmhouse and had three children. Marion became a member of the External Advisory Board of the Center for Holocaust Studies at the University of Vermont in the 90s. She was honored as one of the righteous among the nations by Yad Veshman, Vesham in 1983. 80, 80, 80, 83. Yad? Yad. Really? Yeah, you know him? No. (laughs) Received the Anti-Defamation League's prestigious Courage to Care Award in 1990 and was honored with the Wallenberg Medal in 1996 and received the honorary degree of Doctor of Laws at the University of Vermont in 2003. Wow. Marion died on December 11th 2016 at the age of 96. That's Chris's birthday. Is it? Not to sell 2016. Yeah. <laughs> 2016. Not 2016, but December 11th. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. How old was she when she died? 96. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, when you hear about people like that, you're like, what am I doing with my life? Well, the thing- Am I doing anything good? <laughs> no, like, you're I not. just feel like, I don't know, I feel really shitty like i feel like i need to do more yeah well you know what i always think about is like you know she had her children and they lived at this farmhouse and had this good life but they don't know the backs i mean i'm sure they know the story but it's like they don't like she had this crazy life before she had them you know it's unbelievable like the thing i mean i mean i remember so my great-grandfather um was 100 when he died and so Listening as a kid to him tell stories, oh, my gosh, was amazing. Because he used to ride those penny-farthing bikes, the ones with the big, huge front wheel. Yeah. And he lived in New York City, and he rode those around. He was telling us how, like, there were soap boxes, like wooden soap boxes yeah. on every corner so you can get on and off your bike. Because oh, that's otherwise, so funny. Otherwise, you couldn't get on it because it was oh so tall. Oh, my God, that's so funny. And then he, um, he was, like, a boxer, and he and his father... Um, had um, a distillery in their basement during the Prohibition and, like, all these really cool stories about about him um, and just listening to that. And that so is you so think cool. about, like, if you were the grandkid of this woman, you'd be like, oh, my God. I know. Like, ugh. And her grandkids are probably like, oh, my God. Like, why does grandma have to tell me the stupid stories? And they don't even realize how, like, you know how, what I mean? like, yeah, yeah, how crazy like they wonder. are. Yeah, I mean, it's just like how, ugh. How intense it is. Like, I always feel like my kids, because I had a rougher childhood, I'm always like, God, my kids have no idea because they're, like, living in fucking luxury. And sometimes I'm like, I feel a little like, if you only knew, you know? Yeah. When they're, like, giving me attitude. Yeah. But can you imagine this? (laughs) Like, Well, yeah. I mean, my kids, I mean, my kids experienced a pretty humble, like, childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's funny 
Um, I think I've told you the story, but uh, Casey had a friend who went to a very wealthy private school here in Charlottesville. Uh-huh. And she was visiting. She was spending the night. She was always at our house. And she was, we were talking about like power bills and this and that. We got talking about bills and and I said something about, yeah, because the power will get cut off. And she goes, what do you mean? I was like, well, if you don't pay the bill, they'll cut off your power. She goes, they'll turn it off. <laughs> I was like, yeah. She goes, well, what do you do? And I'm like, you just don't have power until you can pay it. She goes, no. <sighs> and she looked at my daughter and, I and she said, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> don't you guys have trusts? <laughs> oh, my God. Did Casey die? Casey <laughs> died. <laughs> Don't you guys have trust? This all started with us teaching her how to change a light bulb. She had never changed one in her life. And she was like, that was really hard because she had to climb up on the counter. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was a sweet girl. I mean, I'm, I'm not throwing yeah, shade yeah, on her. Yeah, no. But she grew up in a very wealthy family. Yeah. I mean, very wealthy. And, like, her grandmother was, like, a Broadway actress. And then her mom and dad were very, very successful. Wow. I mean, they live in this insanely ginormous house. Why was she friends with Casey? I, they met through some other friends, and they were really good oh, friends. That's so they funny. were like inseparable for a She's couple of years. Like, oh my god, this poor girl! But it was so funny because she just had no idea, and the th- the fact that people live their whole life not understanding. Oh yeah, and like, her parents were not like snobby at all. They're very yeah, nice right. people. But the fact that she lived her whole life up to high school not knowing that if you don't pay your power bill, they'll cut it off. If you, you know, we had. Our water cut off before we had our power cut off. She just had ne- had no idea about that. She yeah, because like, what? Yeah. yeah, I mean, and then they it, had, it's good that she had a friend like Casey who, right? She because, could see those things. You know, well, the school she went to is a private school. Like Howie Long's kids and everybody went to that school. So it's like a very who? Howie Long, the Who's football that? player. I don't know. Chris Long, is. his son. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, they they uh, they went to that school. So it's a very high end school. Yeah. But I mean. Those kids all have trust. <laughs> she said, don't you guys have trust? <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> we have trust in God, girl. We have trust in God. <laughs> you ain't even got that. And he, and he has let us down quite a few times. <laughs> so, oh reality hits. Reality hits. so home, funny. Well, if you like that, or if you didn't, because it wasn't my story, so I'm sure you didn't like it as much. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Whatever, bitch. No, um, Give us a shout out. Um, we have changed our email around a little bit. We have now No Ordinary Women, the uh, acronym N O W, at No Ordinary Women Pod. Dot com. Gmail dot No. What? Did I it's mess just up? just dot com. Yeah, you did mess Wait, it up. Now at okay. No Ordinary Women Pod dot com. Now N O W at No Ordinary Women Pod dot com. That's right. God damn, Lynn. Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> or you can reach out to Rose or myself individually. So you can talk smack about Rose by if you message me or smack about me if you message Rose at rose.stein, S-T-E-I-N, at noordinarywomenpod.com. Or lynn.puntillo at noordinarywomenpod.com. Feel free to message me and talk shit about Lynn. I, I don't like her either, so <sighs> I completely understand. She loved me last night when we were snuggling in bed together. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. But anyway, or you can reach out to us. I on think our... Chris would think there's something wrong with <laughs> I'm that. I'm going to come over and spend the night and sleep in your bed. Um, reach out on our Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok at No Ordinary Women Pod. And at Twitter at No Ord, O-R-D, Women Pod. 
Give us a shout out. Let us know how you like the story. And give us, we're always open for suggestions. We love suggestions. We do. For new people to highlight and review. Until next week. Peace out, sauerkraut.